if you're just getting hungrier for him, that's a good thing. And, and I want to talk about that today. So, they're, they're working out the bugs, it looks like. I'm going to be in Luke chapter 18 for a moment, then we'll be in, in Luke 19. And in Luke 18, verse 31, Jesus, he's, he's on his way to Jerusalem, and uh, this is his last trip there. And he knows it. Because he knows that this is the time that has been set. This is the time when he's going to lay his life down for the sins of the whole world. So he's talking with his disciples. Verse 31. And it says this. Jesus took the twelve, the twelve disciples. He took them aside and told them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man, he was speaking of himself, will be fulfilled. He will be handed over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. The disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them, and they did not know what he was talking about. It's not the first time he's told them that this would happen, but they just don't get it. They don't get it yet. But Jesus gets it. He knows what's going to happen. So he's on his way to Jerusalem. On the way there, uh, the next scriptures that we come to, a blind man is crying out for healing. And the crowds are shouting at him to be quiet because he's just he's being a nuisance shouting so loud. Jesus heals him. And then he's on his way into Jericho. And he's going to meet somebody there, which this is the person we're going to focus on today. A man named Zacchaeus. We're going to focus on him. And the title of this message, Hungry to See Jesus, Zacchaeus is hungry to see Jesus. And I'm going to, we're going to look at his life. We're going to compare it to others. We're going to compare it to ourselves also as we go through the message today. And um, I trust that, that God will help us to be even hungrier. Not in a bad way, in a good way. But let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And Father, I thank you that, um, that your word, it touches hearts. It opens up eyes. It brings truth in. It changes lives. And Holy Spirit, you take God's word and you do a skilled work. And I, and I pray today that you will take God's word and that you will do a perfect work in each heart, exactly what you want to do. That God would be glorified today and that his will would be fulfilled. And we ask that in Jesus' name. And we believe for it and we thank you for it. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to be in Luke 19 now, starting with verse 1. Looking at Zacchaeus, he wanted to see Jesus. You'll hear me say that quite a bit in today's message. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. So, doing a little study, and uh, one of the study books said this, Zacchaeus, a tax collector with authority from the Roman government, 
earned his living by collecting from the people more than he should have. Thus, he was a very wealthy tax collector. <laughs> okay, And he got wealthy by doing more than he should have done. Things are different now because taxes are very fair today, but back then there was maybe some problems. The fact that he was a chief collector probably meant that he was in charge of the district or region, which at that time was quite prosperous. Because of the greed and position of tax collectors, the people would have despised them. Now, it's totally different today, but back then there was, uh, they looked down on tax collectors. He was Jewish, but he was working for the Roman government. The Roman government was oppressing the Jews. He was taking money from the Jewish people and giving it to the Roman government. Not a popular job to have. Not popular. And he was wealthy. Lori and I took a drive last Monday. You know, sometimes we look up on the hill, as we're down here where we live, we look up on the hill and it's like, wow, there's some nice homes up there. You guys ever, well, maybe you live up there, some of you, but you go up there and just look at some of the homes it's just kind of fun, you know? It's like, you know, taking a little vacation. So we were up there, you know, winding our way up the hills, and they just keep kind of going different directions, and you, you end up in all sorts of interesting places. But nice homes, really nice homes. And I was pretty sure I never saw a beat-up-looking car in front of any of them either. I mean, it was just kind of a fun trip. And then we descended back down into the lower elements where we live. But anyway, am I jealous? No, bless him, man. You know, I'm not jealous of any of that. But Jesus said something about wealth. He had just finished talking with a rich young man. And the man's wealth had kept him from following Jesus. And Jesus turned around and talked to his disciples. And he, and he said this. And we'll just look at this verse real quick. He said, Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth. It is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's just hard. They, they have so much that they, sometimes they don't think they need anything else. They've got everything they need. Or if the Lord wants them to maybe give or disperse some of that there's a struggle with them if they you know if they love wealth so he said it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven what was Zacchaeus's situation what was he he was rich he was wealthy well let's let's just look at him today this wealthy man wanted to see Jesus Back to our text. Jesus entered Jericho, was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. He had probably heard about Jesus. There were probably stories going around. He'd probably heard uh, other people tell stories about things that maybe they had seen Jesus do. And he had to see Jesus for himself. He was determined to do it. So my first point is very simple. He wanted to see Jesus. Has anybody in here wanted to see Jesus? Yeah. Now, I know we don't see him face to face right now, but we can see him. We can see him. 
Well, the next point is there were obstacles that came along for Zacchaeus. But as we read through the story, we see that, that the obstacles couldn't stop him. He wouldn't let them stop him. So let's read verse 3. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he was short, couldn't see over the people in front of him. And the people who were there, those who knew who Zacchaeus was, I can't imagine them really saying, you know what, here, let me give you a little room so you can get to the front. Uh, They didn't really like him. So he couldn't get to Jesus. The crowd was already there. What's he going to do? Sometimes there's obstacles to getting to Jesus. There are obstacles today. And, and I know this because it's in scripture. And I know this because it happened in my life. There are obstacles today that try to keep people from seeing Jesus. From seeing who he is. From seeing why he came. From seeing what he has to offer them. There are obstacles today. And, uh, you know, scripture says that there is a devil. If you believe in Jesus, you've got to believe there's a devil too. Okay? And he does not want people to see Jesus clearly. He doesn't. When I was either 17 or 18, don't remember which age it was, I was with my older brother, Jay, and we were out cruising. I don't know what they call it today, but that's what we were cruising. We were cruising in his car because it was so much better than mine. He had a 69 Corvette convertible. 427, four-speed. You could cruise in that car. (laughs) Grew up in Nebraska, small towns. Cruise in one town, zip over to another, cruise in that town. (laughs) That's that's, that's life in Nebraska where I grew up. So we're between towns, cruising, Friday night, Saturday night. I don't remember right now. I remember the road we're going down. I remember the area. I looked at my brother, he was driving, and I said, there has got to be more to life than this. I was serious. Now, it's not often I opened up my heart. You know what? When I grew up, if you thought things, you kept it to yourself, and everything you talked about was more frivolous kind of stuff. But it was just like it just spilled out. And my brother Jay, he answered, and he said, I know. That was the end of the conversation, and we went to the next town. We're cruising in the next town. Okay, life goes on. <clears throat> I was hungry for something. I just didn't know what it was. You know, I just didn't know. And the devil was trying to keep me from finding out. He really was. Let me share a verse with you that just shows just the, the, the battle. My goodness. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3. This is in the New Living Translation. It says, If the good news, and that means the message that Jesus died for the sins of the world and was raised to life so that people, through receiving Christ as their Savior, they could be forgiven, they could be brought into a right relationship with God, they could be given a new life where God is in them and they now are walking under the acceptance, the love, the grace of God. It's good news. Okay, it's good news. The good news we preach is veiled from anyone 
if the good news we preach is veiled from anyone, it is a sign that they are perishing. They don't see. They're lost. They're dead in their sin. They're spiritually dead, and they're not able to understand the things of God. Satan, the god of this evil world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. So they're unable to see the glorious light of the good news that is shining upon them. They don't understand the message we preach about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. They're blind. You know, Steve was sharing how they're building relationships with people, because people are blind to their need. But if you can get into their life, where they'll start, you know, you have relationship one with another, and then you can start sharing these things, they're, they're more open to it. There are obstacles. Another one, which is a little more blatant, is, is some people, they just love their sin so much. They, they just love their sin. And so they kind of want to stay away from the light. Really? Well, Jesus said that. Let's read his words. Take a look here. He's talking with a man named Nicodemus, explaining the things of God to him. And he says this. This is the verdict. This is it. Light has come into the world. Who's light? Jesus. He's basically going to say, I've come into the world. I'm light. I have come into this world. But men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. They just kind of want to stay away from the light. Okay? That's another obstacle. I was there. That was part of my life for a while. But there was still this hunger. This hunger. Switching gears. I'm going to get as much out of this message as I can. Okay? All right. Switching gears. I don't want to talk about the lost right now. Those who don't know Jesus. They don't understand their need for him. I want to talk about those who do know Jesus for a moment. There can be obstacles that keep them from being hungry for Jesus. Even the Christian. The hunger isn't what it used to be. They still know Jesus, still have a relationship with Jesus, But it's not like it was. There are things, there are obstacles to them having a close relationship with with their Lord. Life's busyness can choke your hunger for Jesus away. Do you believe that? I've experienced it. Life's, if you get so busy with life, and there are seasons of life that can be very busy, but you have to determine in your heart, I will not let life choke out my hunger for Jesus. You've got to determine that. Because life can get really busy. Things of this world can choke out your hunger for Jesus. If we start getting consumed with possessions and and hobbies and all that kind of stuff, and we just get so busy that, yeah, we love Jesus, but there's not a real hunger there anymore. And uh, I don't want to see that happen. Another thing that happens is this. Satan will harass people. And Satan will oppress Christians. And he'll try to choke that hunger away. Sometimes a Christian, someone who's received Jesus as their Savior, they they know the Lord. 
Sometimes they battle doubt and unbelief. You know that? The enemy will come and he'll attack them in that area. And then they're dealing with, where are these doubts? Why are these doubts? What's, the, what's this going on? And uh, it can just choke their relationship with Christ because they feel guilty and all kinds of stuff for having those. I've shared this before, but when I was in college, I woke up one morning in college. I don't remember if it was my first or second year. And my head was flooded with, with this thought, how do you know this is true? I was in Bible college. I was a young Christian. You know, maybe I'd been a Christian for three years. How do you know this is true? Now, God had touched me in some pretty significant ways when I became a, a believer. And God had done, you know, I had seen things happen. Okay, I'd seen God do some pretty neat things. But my head was just, I couldn't get away from the thoughts. How do you know this is true? How do you know this is true? What if it's not true? What if you're living your life in something that isn't true? And, you know, it just, it, it tormented me all day. Then the next day I got up, tormented me again. It was like day after day. This was not like a, a thought that just kind of flipped through my head. It was camped out and it was just clawing at me. Lasted for about a week. Seemed longer than that, but I, I think it was about a week. And I was thinking and I was reasoning, well, man, God did this miracle in my life and I've seen this happen and the prophecies that line up and talk about Jesus. I mean, those all show that God, he's known this whole thing from the beginning and creation. And, and so all the stuff reasoning in my head, but it wasn't making this thing go away. And then I said, one day I said, I'm done. I have chosen to believe and I believe. I'm not reasoning with this anymore. I've chosen to believe, and I believe. And I am living my life with God. Because I saw what it was like without God. I didn't want to go back there. I am living my life with God. And that thing went away. Satan will try to choke even the Christian. Guilt for failing. Anybody in here ever fail as a Christian? Raise your hand nice and high. No, don't do it. I'm just kidding. No, don't do that. Failing. You know what? God, I want to live for you and then falling into sin. God, I'll never do that again because I love you. I'll never do it again and then you fall into sin again. Well, I mean it this time, God. I, I mean, it happened, but no more. I'm, man, I'm trying hard this time and then you fall into sin again. And then the guilt, the condemnation... How can you call yourself a Christian? God is just done with you failing all the time. You're a lousy believer. Satan will choke out your hunger for Jesus. Because then it's like, I don't want to go to Jesus anymore because he's mad at me. He's disappointed in me. He's disgusted with me. There are obstacles to staying hungry for Jesus. I struggled with sin. Uh, I think it was five years ago. I haven't struggled with sin ever since then, but it's, it's been a while. Don't, don't let Satan choke out your hunger and love for Jesus. If there's guilt and condemnation, 
you confess your sins to God, and then you stop feeling guilty and condemned, and you receive the forgiveness. And if you need to do it an hour later, do it again an hour later. But receive it. Move on. Move on with Jesus. Not for Jesus. With Jesus. (laughs) Okay? So Zacchaeus, he had these obstacles. And we can have obstacles too. But he was, he was determined nothing was going to keep him from seeing Jesus. So, he's a wealthy guy. Probably has, you know, some power with his position. And he did something that you don't normally see a wealthy person do. Because typically, if you've got, you know, some authority and some wealth, you, you might deal with pride and stuff. He evidently didn't, at least not in this part of the story. He, he just didn't care. He had to see Jesus. So he looks, can't see Jesus. The crowd's there, and he looks down the road, and there's a tree. There's a tree down the road. And, and Jesus looks like he's going to go that direction. So does he just kind of casually walk towards that tree? What's Scripture tell us? Oh, well, let's just take a look at it here then. Let's take a look at this. So he ran ahead. Here's this wealthy guy, tax collector, chief tax collector. And he's looking, and maybe there's someone else that was looking at the tree too. I don't know. It doesn't say. But he ran down the road to get to that tree. That had to look kind of funny, you know? If you saw me dressed in a suit, running down the road towards a tree, you would, you would say, what's with that? And then if you saw me climbing the tree in my suit, you would really begin wondering, okay? But that's what he does. He runs down the road, and he climbs up in this tree, because nothing was going to keep him from seeing Jesus. It was going to happen. I love this. He just ran. Is that the kind of hunger you want to have in your heart? Where, you know what? Nothing that happens in this life is going to keep you from seeing Jesus today. Nothing is going to keep you from walking with him today. Even if you've got to look like you're running down the road to climb a tree, it doesn't matter how silly, you're going to do it. Well, Let's expand it just a little bit. How determined are you to see Jesus in your family? Beyond just you, how determined are you to see Jesus in your family? To see Jesus in your home, where he is affecting the home. He's affecting the way you treat one another. He's affecting the way you live. How hungry are you for that? Because there's, there's something that really gets God's attention. And it's not necessarily screaming and yelling. It'll get the pastor's attention, but it doesn't necessarily get God's attention. Hunger. Hunger gets God's attention. Those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled 
Those that ask and keep on asking. Those that knock and keep on knocking. The door is going to be opened. Receive an answer. He wanted to see Jesus. Obstacles couldn't stop him. And we're winding down to the last point. And I love it. Being with Jesus changed his life. It changed his life. So, Luke 19, verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I want to, or I must stay at your house today. I like that. I think I'll kind of, I think, yeah, I'll stay at your house. No, he said, I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Jesus was surrounded by all kinds of people, okay? But Zacchaeus got his attention. And it wasn't just because he was in a tree. There was a hunger there. And Jesus offered more to Zacchaeus than he had even dared to believe for. He was just trying to get a glimpse of Jesus. He just wanted to see Jesus. But Jesus had so much more to offer him. Jesus didn't want Zacchaeus to just get a glimpse of him. Jesus wanted Zacchaeus to know him and walk with him. That's the heart of Jesus. That's the heart of Jesus for every person in this room. There are people in here, you've served God since you were three years old or younger. He just wants you to know him. There's people in this room that probably don't even know Jesus and you're wondering what this stuff is all about. Let me tell you, Jesus wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. He offered to Zacchaeus far more than Zacchaeus even knew was available. Let's just read that. Let's check this out. Zacchaeus, he's up in this tree and he knows he has cheated people. He knows he has been dishonest. He knows he has a bad reputation. And he earned it. And yet Jesus is saying, Zacchaeus, get down here. I got to spend the day with you. I got to go to your house. Wow. This is <laughs> he had no clue. And Jesus wasn't concerned about what other people thought. I like to read this next verse. Look at this next verse. The crowds. All the people saw this and began to mutter. Mutter. Something you never want to see in a church. Muttering. It's never good. It's not good in the home. It's not good anywhere. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. They saw Zacchaeus get down out of the tree. Jesus is talking with him. Then they're walking together of all things. They're seeing Jesus and Zacchaeus walking together. And as they're following along, wondering where they're going to end up, they end up at Zacchaeus' house. And they can't believe that. But it gets even worse. Jesus goes up to the door and goes into this house with Zacchaeus. They are shocked. Jesus. This amazing person sent from God went into Zacchaeus' house. 
I think, I think we would all be pretty shocked at some of the places Jesus has gone. <laughs> In all reality, I think we would be shocked at some of the places Jesus has stepped into because there was a hungry heart in there. There's places you and I want to stay far away from because of the sin and the stuff that's happening there. And Jesus has stepped right into places like that. There's a lot of sin in here, but I see that hungry heart. And I don't really care what anybody else thinks. I see that hungry heart. Jesus didn't care about the crowd. He just saw a man who was lost but hungry. But I like the next verse. Because the next thing we see is that Zacchaeus is only hungry for Jesus and nothing else after spending that time with Jesus. Let's look at this next verse. Verse 8. He's been in the house with him. And then it says, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. Any love that he'd had for wealth, you know, if that had been his major goal in life, it was all gone. It was all gone. I've tasted Jesus. He wants me. He wants me. Wealth, half of it, I give it away right now. It, it means nothing to me anymore. Half of it, let me tell you, wealth was no longer his God. Jesus was. Oh, a hunger for Jesus will do amazing things. Amazing things. And the next part of the verse, we find out sin is no longer his master. He's wanting to step away from that, too. Let's look at this next part of the verse. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, which he had, if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. I'm done living that. I'm not living that cheat life anymore. As a matter of fact, the people I've cheated, I'm going to pay them four times back, whatever I took from them. He's just done. He's got a new God. He's got a new purpose. Sin is not his master anymore. Jesus is. Oh, a hungry heart. The things that can happen to a hungry heart are amazing. You know, I was so ignorant on the things of God growing up. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I was so ignorant. Something, you know, we, we were back in the days of the big TVs, you know, and antennas on a house. Cable. What was that? Okay, that didn't exist, you know. That was something you kept to pull other cars around or something. But anyway, <laughs> Billy Graham specials would come on right during my favorite shows. Serious. So I would switch the channel. I'm not watching this stuff. And I would switch the channel. Listening to music that I liked then some gospel thing would come on. I didn't know what gospel was. Some, some uh, religious thing would be my mentality. Switch that station quick, man. Lost. But still hungry. 
stupid and hungry. It was quite a combination. But let me tell you, Jesus saw the hunger that was in our home. He saved me. He saved my brother. He saved my younger brother. He saved my mom. Then he saved my dad. All over a period of time. Hunger. Zacchaeus, he didn't realize all that Jesus wanted to give him. We'll just close this with the words of Jesus. Luke 19, 9. Jesus said to him, to Zacchaeus, Today, salvation has come to this house. His heart had been hungry. His heart became broken to where he would let God do anything he wanted to with it. He gave up his idols of wealth and he just wanted Jesus. Today, salvation's come to this house. I pray that is what's happening in your home. Salvation is coming to your house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. God lost us because of our sin. But he was not content to leave us lost. He sent Jesus to seek us out. And if we would respond, he would save us from our sin, from judgment, and embrace us as his children again. Dearly loved, Dearly loved. It's good news. It's good news. Now, closing this message, I come back here because my mind just totally disappears. There's nothing up there, and I have to look on my notes again to see. Oh, yeah, this is what we're doing next. Okay. Let's just take a quick review here. Are you hungry? Are you hungry? Not potluck hungry. Are you Jesus hungry? And I am both. Okay, but we're focusing on the Jesus hunger right now, all right? Are you hungry for Jesus? Those of you today that don't know Jesus, he's not in your life. But something's stirring. God is reaching out to you. Oh, I hope you're hungry for that. For those of us who've walked with Jesus... I hope that you are not looking back and saying those were the good days. None of us should be none of us should be able to do that. We shouldn't have to go back 10 years and say, "Oh yeah, that's when I was really walking with Jesus and there was such a life." No, 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 no. It should be today. Today. Are you hungry today? Like you were however many years ago. Um, what we're going to do closing this service, I'm going to give people an opportunity to receive Jesus into their life. And you may not understand all of that totally, but I didn't either. I just knew, I found out the Bible said that God sent his son to die for my sins, and I knew I was a sinner. And I did believe in heaven and hell. I don't know why. I wasn't really raised in church, but for some reason I believed in heaven and hell. I was pretty sure I was going to hell. No, I, I was positive I was going to hell. 
I was positive. My good deeds outweighing my, da- my bad deeds, that just wasn't an issue. I was going to hell. And uh, I didn't want to go to hell. Isn't that a shocking thought, not wanting to go to hell? Some people boast, yeah, I'm going to party in hell. I didn't have that attitude. I really didn't want to go to hell. But I didn't know how to not go to hell. <laughs> and I heard that Jesus died for me. And that if I would believe that he was the Son of God, and I would believe that he did die for my sins, and that God raised Jesus to life, that I, I could be forgiven. I didn't understand much more than that. So you guys know the story. I'm going down the highway on my motorcycle. Highway 20. In Nebraska. Antelope County. Doesn't that sound Nebraska-ish? Antelope County. And I talked to God with my eyes open. I said, God, if you can give me a new life, I want it. I admit I'm a sinner. And I want you. I didn't understand much. But God met a hungry heart. Save me. You know what I felt? Nothing. I felt nothing. There was no glory moment. But I was sincere. And then I noticed my life started changing. My vocabulary reduced without me even thinking about it. And in me, instead of wanting to get away with sin, you know, do it but not get caught, I noticed it's like I don't want to do it anymore. Help me. Things were changing. A hungry heart. God will do amazing things in a hungry heart. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I'm going to give people an opportunity 